Oh, you know what time it is, and welcome to a very special edition of Too Young to Be This Old. I am here with Andy, and once again joined by the one and only MJC. How's it going? How's it going? You, you want to cover that housekeeping for us, Andy? Yeah, for sure. It's the shortest recording time we've had between episodes in a while, but... If you found us, thank you again for finding us. And if you want to find all other podcast-related items, you can go to podcast.tooyoungtobethisold.com where you can find all the links of where to listen to us and all our social media links. Michael's social media info will be in the show notes as well, along with the link to Michael's uh, primary podcast, Digital Days. Indeed. And the reason for this short turnaround time is for a change we all had the time that we're going to do a reaction episode to what was WrestleMania 36. Um, if you listened to the last podcast, you would know we did make predictions. And as you heard our predictions, I think we had, me and Andy had nine of the matches called correctly. And uh, Michael, you had eight of the matches called correctly. Uh, Unfortunately. I was really pulling for the tie. It really came down to the uh, Bailey, Lacey, Evans, Naomi. God, uh, we were so close. Because that was the one that we all disagreed on. Right, right. That's the one that we were all different on. But that match was the uh, the make or break point. Uh, but before we get to that one, let's just start at the top of the card. Um, or before we even say top of the card. Uh, Andy, what were your thoughts? In general, of WrestleMania 36. Before we start oh, deep diving, uh, it was. So this is what my third WrestleMania that I've watched, right? I believe so. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, the weirdest of all of them. It at times did not feel like WrestleMania. I guess um, at times it kind of just felt like an episode of Raw. Um, certain matches I think we'll talk about uh, felt like an episode of Raw or SmackDown uh, but then you had a lot of cool stuff I think there was two really big high points and the two more produced matches so I think the Taker match and the Firefly Funhouse match were uh, kind of worth all the weirdness that came with this Wrestlemania I can agree with that um, Michael what did you think it was definitely different than we are used to for WrestleMania. I enjoyed the show overall. I think what helped a lot is the fact that it was broken over two days. That was the smartest decision they've made in a long time, and it really helped getting breathers between each day. And getting that seven, eight-hour pay-per-view split over two nights was very helpful, and it's something I hope they do again for next year's WrestleMania, even if it's in a stadium, even though that would probably be more difficult. That would be a nightmare for them, but God, I agree so much, because this all-in-one night, I think, would have been... uh, It just would have been horrible. Yeah, I think they realized it it, without the crowd, it would have been jarring to do this for eight hours, and that was the right move. But I actually enjoyed it overall. There was really good wrestling and some good weird shit. It was... Surprisingly, one of the better pay-per-views we've dealt with. Um, it gives me hope because we'll probably get one or two more pay-per-views that are going to be in empty arenas uh, before this is all said and done. But they've shown they can do it, 
And I think that is, it gives me hope. Um, I know I posted on Twitter uh, probably Sunday as I was laying down to go to bed. uh, WWE managed for eight hours to at least take my mind off everything going on. I was entertained for eight hours that I didn't have to worry about. And I think that's the biggest thing, the biggest compliment that I could give it um, overall. Mm-hmm. So we opened part one, which was April 4th, with uh, the pre-show match of Cesaro versus Drew Gulak, which was not announced when we recorded. Um, but for it to only be in a four and a half minute long match, these boys did some things that I have not seen before in a wrestling ring. I have to admit, I haven't seen the match yet. Okay. And I need to see it. Because I hear it's great for a four-minute match. Yeah, it's it's everything you, you could wish for in a yeah. four-minute match. There uh, were some moments in that match where it's just like, whoa, whoa what the what what just happened? It was kind of like those, like, you look away for a moment and then you realize something big just happened. But it was uh, definitely worth checking out. Indeed. Maybe in a pre-show. Yeah, not something we, that we say very often about a pre-show match. Um, no. Just take five, five, six minutes out of your day if you're listening and haven't seen it to check it out. It came towards the tail end of the pre-show broadcast right before we uh, we got into the main card. Uh, so with our main card, our first match that we got was, of course, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defeating the Kabuki Warriors. Match ran about 15 minutes. We get to see a title change, which was awesome. Uh, overall, what were your thoughts on this match? Uh, we'll start with Michael. I I thoroughly enjoyed it in the predictions cast. We were talking about how the women held it down the last couple of weeks in the no audience thing, and I remember all of us praising Oscar, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, and Kyrie Sane, and they continued that streak of putting together a compelling match using the lack of an audience to their favor in terms of all the shit talking and all the emotes that they basically could do. Like Alexa bliss has gotten really good at doing like this t- emoting to, to nobody uh, without it looking awkward. Uh, and Nikki cross got to shine. Uh, she doesn't quite step out of the shadow of Alexa bliss because of this, but she definitely looks like there's like some star potential with her to where she could probably break off and not be a sidekick in the future. Like, that's how good I think she looked in this match. It was impressive. There were... Go ahead, Andy, before I say anything. Sorry. Sure. We all know that I'm the forever pessimist here, so I was going to get nitpicky about some stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I so have some stuff, get, too. Before we get too nitpicky, I will, I will agree, though. You know, even before Michael said it, I was going to say that Nikki kind of stood out to me in this match. Um, I thought she was just doing a lot of really fun things. Once again, just looked like they were having fun with this match and she was standing out in a way where I can see her kind of moving past this, you know, sidekick role. Um, and I was happy with the title change. It's always fun to see a quick one, quick title change in a uh, WrestleMania to kind of get the hype going early on. So overall fun to watch, kept me entertained and kept me awake. So, indeed, I must say overall the match the match was good. It served its purpose. Um, I definitely enjoyed the powerline inspired Alexa Bliss attire. I was yes, me too. Very confused 
by Nikki Cross stripping midway through the match. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember just being like, wait, wait, what is happening right now? Yeah, I was like, wait a second, what is this? Well, hold on. <laughs> um, and also, and I know I've said this before, there were some moments in this match that make me feel like Kyrie Saint isn't long for the main roster. Her contract is coming up soon, so that's why. Well, I just and and she didn't do anything to help her cause. There were some sloppy spots in the match. Um, there was a a missed double stomp uh, in the corner. Uh, you could tell that the elbow drop to break up the pin was edited, like they had to reshoot it. Uh, the but didn't make off. it look good. Do what? But it still didn't look good. There's. The, you talk Kyrie's elbow drop looked like they should have just reshot it and make it look better. Uh, the timing for that count was just bad. Yeah. Um, so the fact that I was still catching botches on something that could be edited makes me just feel like either A, Hart wasn't in it, or B, WWE is just done. I would lean more towards B than A. Um, but I've, I've I've told this to Andy before. I really enjoyed Kyrie Sane in the May Young Classic when she first stepped on kind of the w, uh, the NXT scene. Uh, her matches in NXT were good. She had a couple decent matches with Baszler for the title. I just she's not done anything other than have a fantastic elbow drop on the main roster for me. Don't know if that's writing, which it more than likely is. So I don't want to fault the performer in any way on that but she's just not done it for me on the main roster whereas you had her partner Asuka as we said just absolutely killing it in this empty arena really showing that she has more value than just as an in-ring talent mm-hmm. yeah th- this match could have benefited from some better editing just because even uh, Alexa Bliss's like uh, I forget what her finisher is called from the top ropes Twisted Bliss Twisted Bliss, like it only on barely caught Kyrie's knees. Knees, yeah. Still overall pretty good. Yeah, no, still good. Yeah. But yeah, with those weird choices, I guess I'm like, you guys could have reshot this to make it look better. Kind of, kind of puts me in the middle of where they just really rushed, or um, did they just yeah, really just not care again? Like I said, it was an enjoyable I think the, match. I think the schedule probably made it really hard for them to redo things too much. Right. Uh, but I think we've beat this match as far as we can. Um, next match that we had was Elias defeating King Corbin. And all I have to say is rest in peace, guitar. Oh, God. Yeah, that guitar met a. That a, guitar shot that Corbin took ending. to open the match where. That guitar just obliterated itself. Right. Besides this, there wasn't too much that kept me interested in this match. I was uh, cooking burgers and like barely, barely cared about the amount of the match that I was. I had a moment where Elias is sitting in the ring after his shirt had been ripped off. Right. I I was talking to a buddy of ours in a Discord chat while we were watching this, and I was like, "Dude, Elias kind of looks like Macho Man." Oh, no, he don't. He totally does. He totally yeah. has that look. Yeah, he does. And then, of course, a little bit later, he does an elbow drop, and I'm like, mm, if anybody's going to play Macho Man in a movie, 
It's going to be a lot. It's going to be WWE produced. But they'll just CG the elbow drop. Yeah, because the elbow oh, drop wasn't good. The elbow drop wasn't good. But the the just the look. Um, I had no expectations of this match. I was still thoroughly entertained. Corbin, even with an empty crowd, is great at the character he's playing. And Elias showed a lot more in-ring ability than I think people give him credit for in the ring with Corbin. Um, yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, sometimes when Elias gets in there and does anything, I'm just like, oh, oh yeah, he can actually wrestle. Exactly. You never I think get to I, see it. Mm-hmm. I think the gimmick he's been giving is holding him back. If they could find a way to turn this... Uh, guitar carrying gimmick into something that doesn't involve so much actual playing of the guitar, I'd be down. I was going to give the fun fact of Elias went to high school with Pat McAfee. That is a very specific fun fact. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I, Elias looked good during this. I, the only problem I had with it, it was better match than I expected, but I don't understand like the logic behind Elias like getting the win or not necessarily getting the win but he just won off a roll-up when what last week he was almost murdered by baron corbin so i thought it was kind of like a weak finish uh the i justified the finish a little bit more of elias um or sorry corbin got caught trying to cheat so it was kind of just desserts that he lost by roll-up with the tight I just fear, like all Baron Corbin feuds, it means this will continue. For an no. entire year, we're just going to keep getting Because of the Roma. Elias yeah. yeah. Corbin. Yeah, I don't. I, I think I could deal with it one or two more times. I do not want it to go Roman Reigns level. It just seems like. How many times we see it. It's just what he does. He just gets in these feuds that just never end. Yeah. Uh, well, I think uh, we can move to the next match. Uh, Becky Lynch defeated Shayna Baszler for the Raw Women's title. And i not saying I'm a huge fan of Baszler. I really feel like Baszler should have won this match. And I am really tired of seeing the Baszler loss come on this weak pin combination. It's the same shit with Samoa Joe. They, they yeah. always pin Samoa Joe really with the is. same bullshit. Yep. You're right. That's what it reminded me of. I kept trying to think yeah. of what the what the pin was reminding me of, and, and that's that's it. It's the Samoa Joe thing. And yeah. Yeah, this... I had cooled off on any excitement for this match a while ago, but I was just... I, I guess it wasn't a bad match throughout, but the ending just kind of killed it for me. Yeah, I, just, I don't like that finish with Baszler. Yeah. Let it be a clean defeat or let it be... I, I don't like the muddled victory for a champion. It's not, not been my thing. The, the only hot take that I saw from it that made sense is Becky Lynch beat two MMA fighters with simple pins because they're out of their element in professional wrestling. And even that seemed like a stretch. Because she, she pinned Rousey with the it, basic, like, it is a cru stretch, uh, crucifix. I, yeah, yeah, I can see it. Because I kind of was like, 
I don't know. It, it reminded me of ways of watching her be Rousey. I was like, oh, it's kind of the. This is what we do against, against these people. So. I can yeah. see that. It's yeah. a decent take, but uh, my my thing was specifically. I've seen Baszler in NXT lose two or three times in the same pinning combination. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm tired of seeing. Like, come up with a new way to pin Baszler. It, it just makes Baszler look stupid that she exactly is supposed to be this intelligent fighter, but refuses to change her finisher. Right. It, it's stupid. Right. How does she come back from this? Does she just go back down to NXT? Because now NXT has Charlotte, so... They don't fucking need her back in NXT. Yeah, right. No. It's kind of like now, what are they going to do with her? And we had heard, you know, at least all the dirt sheets were saying that Vince had kind of started cooling off on Baszler. So are we just going to get a lot of radio silence on what's going on with Baszler for a while? or Till Ronda comes back. I yeah, mean, I think up, that might be She showed up on Raw, or she had a promo on Raw. Uh, wasn't really anything too interesting, but... Yeah, I don't think we're going to see much. Uh, next match, we had Sami Zayn with Cesaro and Shinsuke defeating Daniel Bryan, who had Drew Gulak in his corner. Uh, start of the match, one issue I had is we saw Cesaro beat Gulak in the pre-show, and then all of a sudden we see Gulak take out Cesaro and Nakamura at one point early on in this matchup, and that rubbed me the wrong way. Especially in the way he took them out. Yes. Uh, I'm glad that you also (laughs) were bothered by the same thing. Um, I was disappointed in this match because I expected a lot more with Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn, but Sami Zayn's character right now is to be the smarmy, avoid trouble heel, and he played it to perfection. But that's not the match I wanted to see between these two. We kind of said this when we were were talking about it before, that it was such a cool matchup, but we know we were going to be disappointed. Yeah. So I kind of, while I was excited about what could be, I went into a very low expectation and it was, you know, I was like, yeah, that's kind of what, what I thought we'd get out of this. I wasn't incredibly entertained with it, unfortunately. I I, I enjoyed it. Sadly, I feel like this is what like Vince McMahon and WWE people finally got to see. Like they probably looked at this match and like Sammy's a star, which is good because he was able to have a decent match without actually wrestling too much, which I'm sure that's something like Vince McMahon and other like people appreciate. I kind of am okay with how it went down because it means that since this feud's going to continue, there'll probably be another match where they will actually wrestle. My my hope with this, this is when I do fantasy booking, is uh, so Sami Zayn tweeted after part two, like, I forgot how much I love wrestling. And I'm hoping this feud, so like how Daniel Bryan and Gulak are finding each other in terms of like sparking that love of wrestling together. I hope that leads to Sami Zayn realizing that he's Sami Zayn and then they put on a hell of a match. And get some old Sami Zayn back in it. I mean, if we got an El Generico reunion, I'd be super happy. Something, you know, that just 
just I just want him to just remember he likes wrestling as a character and then just put on a five-star match with Daniel Bryan. Uh, give them a half hour. Give him an Iron Man match, something. I, I would love to see it. Our sixth match, technically, we didn't have a call for anyway. Because uh, we assumed we were getting the Miz and Morrison versus the Usos versus the New Day. But what we got was Morrison defeating Jimmy Uso and Kofi Kingston in a triple so, threat ladder match for the tag team titles. Before we go too deep into this match, I have a point to bring up. Did did either of you guys see the uh, the video uh, from John Morrison and the Miz that played during the pre-show? Uh, the rap no. video? Yes, the rap video. Oh, God, it I was did not see that. Amazing. Okay, it was incredible, and I really want, Michael, I really want you to go see it, and I'm going to kind of spoil a little bit for you. For me, immediately it gave me a, like, uh, uh, Lazy Scranton vibe, like Michael and Dwight making a music video in the office, kind of. It makes sense, style. because that was yep. the last time Miz and Morrison were relevant together. <laughs> yeah exactly so it felt very much lazy scranton like immediately i just got that vibe and it was fucking hilarious it was it so, was it was really good i feel like if you watch it you would you would enjoy it very much. Uh, I'll, I'll check that out i, I please, didn't watch any of the pre-show stuff <laughs> yeah no nothing really else in the pre-show is worth seeing i mean the cesaro drew gulak match is worth seeing yeah but that and the music video totally totally worth watching but to get back to this match you know ben ben what did you uh how'd you feel about this one it had some pretty incredible spots uh oh, yeah. only one the spot spots were just killer in this one indeed uh there was only one spot that was noticeably edited and i since we talked about it on our prediction cast it was something front and center of my mind anytime i was watching a match um, but the Jimmy spot where Jimmy falls out of the ring from the tall ladder to the floor. Right. You definitely notice that the way the camera shows him next is not the way he landed. No. Um, so that spot, while it was really cool, I'm glad they looked at safety um, to make it work, but needed to work a little bit more on it, so to speak. Um what Kofi did on the inside of ladders, climbing ladders the wrong way, was incredible. Um, if every Morrison match could be a ladder match, I think people would be higher up on John Morrison because his Absolutely. style, his style fits this organized chaos that is oh, yeah. a ladder match. This was one of the first times in in my watching of John Morrison um, that I've been excited at all. Um, I, I agree. He works best in these kind of chaotic situations and he worked so well with Kofi and with, um, with Jimmy Uso. Like they just really, really worked well together. I don't know how many takes they had of this, obviously with the editing, but I just thought this all came together so well. You still had the slow ladder climbing, but it was like, you, you had some just really good ladder. Eat that Kofi. And, Eat that. Oh god, it was just so oh, good. Flatten you like a pancake. Oh god, yeah. There, uh, there was a lot of good talking throughout all the matches these next two nights, but these two nights, but man, that was it was fun to watch at least. I hated this match. Oh whoa! All right, I can see I can see why. 
but there was a lot. Of, I I wanted to hype it up before we had to crush it. Yeah, yeah. So what what did you hate about this match, MJC? We'll let you go off. So let me start. It, technically, it was a fine match. It like the they they put a ton of effort into the match. I'm not like discrediting like their skill and the effort they put into this match, but a ladder match without a crowd just didn't work for me at all. Like they were doing crazy things, but without the reaction of a crowd, it just kind of felt empty. And then just hearing this the clanking of the ladders in between the breathing, and I feel like commentary kind of dropped the ball during this as well. Which commentary is going to be a problem throughout a couple of these other matches we'll talk about. And it just didn't do anything for me. Like, a ladder match without the crowd, just it just feels weird. And the crazy stuff they pulled off just without a holy shit chant or without the crowd screaming. Just kind of, every time they would do put themselves in danger, I'm just like, what the fuck's the point? Why? Why are you doing this right now? You know? I can see it. I can see it. It is hard to get used to certain types of matches without the crowd, so... I, like, we're going to get a money in the bank without a crowd, most likely. And oh, I just oh, don't... Yeah. I don't want this. <laughs> right. When they announced the money in the bank, you know, during this, I was like, really? We're going to do... We're going to do money in the bank without the crowd? Why? That, that crazy. kills me. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh ben you were gonna say uh you're gonna also tear this down a little bit or no i was gonna tear down the ending okay um the ending made sense because this is definitely a feud that can go either way that probably needs to continue when you can have both teams that full or all three teams at full strength right but having kofi and jimmy pull down the titles from the clip which for the past few years in these tag title match, that's been the victory. That's mm-hmm. been what's won the match. I feel like what you should have had was Jimmy and Kofi having to split the tag titles, and maybe we could have got the Usos and the New Day in a unification match down the road. That would have been which great. Which would have been, would have yeah, been one way to take hilarious. it. I would have loved that. But instead yeah. what we got was John Morrison ripping the belts off the holder and that being what's declared the win. Um, I, I can see it either way. I just feel like because we've been conditioned that when that thing comes off the clip, that is who has won. That's the win, yeah. I think it fell flat because of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. And it, it did, that kind of like threw me off as well. I was like, wait, wait, it's over. The, what, what are they doing? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It was really weird because you thought it was finished. And I'm like, oh, they're going to say that they both won. And then that's going to put Morrison and Miz on the outside of the tag title picture. And we're going to get more New Day versus the Uso matches, which has been a minute since we've got those. So I'm completely down for some more Uso versus the New Day. I'm always down for Uso versus the New Day. I'll be real honest with you. Yep, even when they're like 70 years old and then still doing matches, I still will be like, yeah, they could do some great things. Yep, because Big E can just gyrate his hips and the Usos can talk shit and everybody will be happy. <laughs> everybody will enjoy it. Uh, speaking of something I thoroughly enjoyed once they finally got it right yeah, was the uh, Kevin Owens beating Seth Rollins. Uh, I think I messaged Andy right after the DQ finish and I was like, that is fucking bullshit. That was, 
garbage. Yeah, I was I was sitting at home just whining and complaining. I was like, it was fucking stupid. I hated this match. They ruined this for me. Like I was just having a real bad time. And when they then started the never mind, let's go to a no DQ and then Seth and then Kevin Owens, you know, transformed into Shane McMahon. Um, it was fantastic. It was re- it was really good. Like I was almost kind of okay with the disqualification finish because before that happened, it was a good match, and then the second half of the match or the second match was an amazing match or a great match. Oh right, it was like everything was fine about the first match until the disqualification. That's what just like really just killed it for me. But before that, I will agree it was it was a fine match, and then the DQ match happened and. I, I sometimes forget the first part of the match happened. Right. There was a moment. There's three moments, sorry, that stand out the most to me in this match. The first one is the pop-up sit-down powerbomb that Kevin Owens hits before the first DQ. I miss Kevin Owens using the pop-up powerbomb as his finisher. I understand why he doesn't all the time use it. But I was like, holy shit, I forgot how awesome that move was. The second one was the liberal use of the ring bell as a weapon. It sounds so good in an empty arena. (laughs) It does. You hear it so well. And all chairs need to be replaced with ring bells for the foreseeable future. And then, of course, jumping off the WrestleMania sign. And the part of that that made me happier was on Instagram, Kevin Owens comes out and says, true story, I originally wanted to jump off the pirate ship at Raymond James Stadium. But since we didn't get to go there, there, this was the next best thing. So that's like all I could think of was like, man, that would have been something to see. I also, I really love the the talking during this match, like between Seth Rollins... And Kevin Owens, all the fat shaming. Oh, not even so that. Much fat just shaming, but the one line. I think MJC, you, that there was one line that stood out for you. Um, I I forget exactly the verbiage, but like there was a couple times where when Kevin Owens is just on the ground and Seth Rollins is talking shit, and Kevin Owens is just like you're a bitch or something like that. Yeah, he was like, "You'll always be a bitch." Seth. Yeah, that was just it like, was like, oh my so god. Good. And, and the word. Whatever, WrestleMania 36 was sponsored by the word bitch. Dude, yeah, I oh, told that to Sarah like halfway through night two. I'm like, they said bitch a lot this like <laughs> this WrestleMania. It's really hilarious. But yes, just the the image of Kevin Owens getting his ass kicked and then still had the nerve to be like, you're a bitch. And then Seth Rollins is like, your mouth has always gotten you in trouble, Kevin, and then hits him again with the chair. It was just like yeah. so good. Perfect. Like at, at least you know, like some of these empty matches feel weird and and don't you know hit quite the same. But then some of them, it's like I'm happy the ring the stadium was empty for this because we wouldn't get this otherwise. A match I was glad the stadium was empty for was definitely this next. Oh, one one thing before we go off the Kevin Owens Seth okay. Rollins thing. So Seth Rollins before this, people were talking about his win loss record at WrestleMania. He's like six and one. He technically lost twice tonight, 
Do you think in 10 years from now, when they're talking about Seth Rollins as like the new Shawn Michaels or Undertaker of WrestleMania, do they count these two losses against him? Probably not. Probably not, right? They, I, I would say they probably still roll this into making him 6-2 and two instead of 6-3. and three. Okay, because I, I thought about that when I was there. I'm like, man, they were hyping him up for WrestleMania, oh, yeah, and they just gave him two L's. Yeah, oh, yeah, he, he got right, that. I, he think, got I think it becomes one L over time. Da- yeah. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, a completely unexpected change that we all got wrong. We didn't even have a whiff of being right on this one. Braun Strowman defeating Goldberg know. for the <laughs> defeating Goldberg for the Universal Title, and I can only imagine in front of a live crowd, this match would have been one extreme or the other. There would have been no in between. I, I know you guys' feelings on Goldberg. But for the most part, every time he comes out, that crowd gets hyped. I would have loved to seen how a crowd reacted to seeing him lose to a no-build Braun Strowman. I think Goldberg, after beating The Fiend, would have probably got a mixed reaction going into this match. Goldberg like, would have gotten some hate after what happened with him and The Fiend. Not a lot, but you would get a little bit of some booze under him if this was in front of a crowd. But yeah, I either one of them winning was pointless. Yeah. One so more than the other. Goldberg made just way more sense. Like, I don't give a shit about Braun. I haven't cared about him since Brock Lesnar punched the shit out of him at the Royal Rumble or, or whatever match. Oh, was. yeah, I remember that one. I remember that one. You know, like, no one's cared. That's when Braun Strowman's career as a main eventer died for me. Is because yeah. that's when they should have put the belt on him, but they didn't. And Saudi, uh, two years ago, would have been when he needed the belt. When he won the uh, fake Royal Rumble thing? No, he had a match against Lesnar at one of the Saudi pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was probably, and, uh, okay. Yeah, that should have been when he got the title the first time. So, I think it's nice that we can finally say Strowman has the title, so he is viewed as a top guy. But they really have to not blow this build. And I say this solely because we know in the sometime distant future, when there's a lull in business, WWE is going to call Goldberg back. They can't make Strowman look bad if they ever plan to use Goldberg again. And you can't make Strowman look bad unless you want to make The Fiend look bad now. So it is a very, they're on a knife's edge walking with Strowman as champion. Andy? Yeah, exactly. I, I feel similar. I'm happy that it's off of Goldberg because I was already tired of that. Um, I don't know what they do with Braun as champion, though. It, get these hands. That's what everybody weird. does now. Yeah, it's going to be get these hands. I I hope they do justice for it. I mean, with them giving him the belt way too late, do something fun with it at least. Because um, like, I think we all agree he should have gotten it a while ago, and when he didn't get it, eh, we all just kind of stopped paying attention. And except so me. Did the world. Yeah, except you. He's going to lose the belt to Tyson Fury. Oh, God, so fast. I Lose will, the belt to Gronk. 
we've all heard my thoughts on AEW in recent weeks. If uh, Braun loses the belt to Tyson Fury, I will never watch WWE again. <laughs> they already have the feud built together. All right. They're going to want a ratings push, even though he didn't really provide them much of a ratings push. It's going to happen. He's not going to lose the belt to Tyson Fury. He is. All right. He, no, if, no. If we have recorded, though, that Ben just totally is out on WWE. If he loses. I, I will only come back to WWE if Goldberg is involved or it's a Boneyard or Firefly Funhouse match. It's the only thing that will bring me back. Those are my stipulations. Those are my rules. Goldberg uh, in a sparkler match. Fuck, I'd watch it. Michael in a firehouse Michael. warehouse match. Yeah, my Goldberg warehouse. love knows no bounds. Oh God, Goldberg just, in a ready to rumble match. Yeah. The Fiend versus Goldberg. <laughs> I actually love that movie. So I do too. I do too. <laughs> but what, guy, is it, uh, what is it? Biggie said, "Big men slapping meat." Yeah, <laughs> I'm all about big men slapping meat in matches. <laughs> I'm all about it. Um. <laughs> This was the perfect closing to night one, uh, and hopefully it is the closing of an era. But the Boneyard match with Undertaker defeating AJ Styles was better than it had any fucking right to be. And a lot of it was due to the trash talk between Undertaker and AJ Styles as they did this match. I loved AJ's entrance. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it was perfect for the way AJ has played this feud. Seeing Taker come out on the bike to Metallica was incredible. I would have preferred rolling, but I'll take what we got. Oh man, yeah. I I the whole intro of this, this whole match was was great. This was this was the only kind of match Taker should should ever be a part of if if he has anything else after this, but I really hope this is the end. He he should. We we said this when, or most people said this when he lost to Roman and he did that whole symbolism of leaving it all in the ring. He should have left then. That would have been perfect. He fucked it up, and kept coming back. He has an opportunity to end it perfectly. Perfect. Yeah. He he rode off into the sunset, or not necessarily the sunset, because he's the Undertaker. He rode off into the night. Right. It's perfect. He could just he he could be gone forever, but he probably won't. Uh, they they found a perfect way for him to fight Stain finally. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't oh, don't man. get my hopes up, Michael. I can only be so erect. You 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 finally have a match that you can take as much time as you want. You can edit and cut out. You don't have to put Steen in any sort of danger. It's perfect. They could do it if they wanted to. There's money on the table, and you don't. And the fear of an actual match is, oh, Taker could accidentally kill Steen because Steen has you know neck and spine back issues. They could do stunt doubles. They could do so much. They could finally oh. give us the Steen Undertaker match. Oh. I had put in this thought out of my head forever, and you've just brought it back in the forefront. And I want nothing oh, more than that wrestling. You now. That's yep. the only way he comes back. More. Yeah, I want nothing more than Sting v Taker at WrestleMania 37. In a, I don't want to call it a boneyard match because AJ Styles technically came up with this match, mm-hmm. so it's got to be like a graveyard or a scorpion pit match. 
Yeah, uh, or they, something they, like that. They could do some crazy time travel stuff and put them in their old gear if oh, they wanted. Calm down, calm down. <laughs> we can't give away too much of the future. Yeah, uh, but we let's just talk about this match the, the, or whatever this was. It was shot beautifully. Like this is like the most professional looking thing they shot. It looks better than some of their WWE original movies with how it's shot. Undertaker still kind of moves like Steven Seagal in this, but they worked around it. And yep, it was great. It was cheesy. You got to give like Matt Hardy a pat on the back for like introducing oh, yeah. Vince McMahon oh, to this style. I got very, this, I got very much mower of lawns vibe. On this yes, one. this, and I was like, to, man, I can't wait for AEW to do something just like yeah, this. To me, as dumb as this sounds, this match was the future of wrestling. Because for the old timers, especially people talk about that. Yeah, this, this is, is the this way is you tell compelling stories that you can you know completely dictate how things happen and i understand that a lot of the a lot of people enjoy the athletic contest of wrestling and i enjoy a good athletic match don't get me wrong but if you gave me a drew gulak and cesaro at the top of the hour middle of the hour you gave me some good tag team wrestling and you close the show out with something like the boneyard match i would be hooked every week because you're hitting everything as you go through it was like you guys said, well shot, well done. The trash talk between AJ and Taker was phenomenal. Whoever did the set for this did a fantastic job. And it, I mean, it just, it all came together to make a perfect package where Undertaker got to be the American badass, the dead man. It made Taker look like he had the supernatural powers that we've come to know and love from Taker. And I don't feel like it hurt AJ too much because you basically lost to Undertaker at WrestleMania. Well, I mean, AJ's dead, so it's fine. <sighs> yeah, AJ's dead. It's fine. He's, he's gone. We don't have to worry. Yeah, he's dead. No, nah, he, he came back. He's still fight. He's got that fighting spirit. His hand came out of the grave. <laughs> he's going to come back spirit. as a zombie. Zombie oh, AJ? God, please. I've seen that action please figure. <laughs> what, what I loved... Uh, uh, well, so I remember I said it would be cool if like Demon Balor or Finn Balor came out when that garage like lit up white and oh the doors came down. I like was on the edge of my seat like, oh my god, are we gonna get Finn Balor? But it was just random people, so I was just like, okay, never mind. But <laughs> yeah, I really wanted it to be somebody in in another universe. I was like Matt Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but I. Like, Something I thought that could have been cool there is we talked about this quote-unquote time travel thing we talked about. What if that had been like Kane, old Kane? Oh, man. Like enemies from Taker's past coming back to haunt him kind of thing Um, because Luke Gallows was fake Kane back in the day. Uh, We've seen a fake Undertaker before. You know, there were so many things that could have been done there. That don't make sense with AJ as the opponent, but may make sense with Sting as the opponent. Mm-hmm. Since we're on this train of thought now, I can't stop thinking about it. Thank you, Michael. I was like, you keep coming back to Sting here. Dude, oh my god, he said it. And now all I can think of is like, dude, we can have this match and we can have, you know, Old Man Sting and Old Man Taker. Then all of a sudden we're going to flash back and we're going to get the intro of like Purple Gloves Taker and Bleach Blonde Crew Cut Sting with the glorious face paint 
And it's like, I can't get these images out of my head now. Thank you, Michael. It could be really great. And so it's funny. I was just, uh, before WrestleMania, I was, I, uh, Beyond the Mat is on Netflix. And I, I was watching it. And early on in Beyond the Mat, if you're not familiar with it, it's a documentary from like 1999 of behind the scenes of wrestling. It's very controversial because they like expose the business a lot. But they, they, they interviewed Vince McMahon early on. And either the narrator or Vince McMahon were just talking about, like, we want to make movies. And there's been reports that, like, Vince McMahon's goal for the last, like, 10 years is to get WWE, like, an Emmy or some sort of Hollywood recognition award. And this is the vehicle. <laughs> like, this is how they do it. Like, there are production Emmys, you know? There, there are, like, technical emmy awards that they could if they want to perfect the boneyard style match or the cinematic style content they could use that and that could be the vehicle and Vince McMahon can finally accomplish that goal of having his his emmy or whatever like award he would want from you know hollywood to be fair all they need to the cat all they need to do is cast the rock in anything they do and they'll get an emmy or lots of money one or the other Probably lots of money because Rocket more has more lots of money than Emmy. Yeah, That's but a damn I can shame. see this. I can see this being the beginning of a lot more of these like highly, highly produced, you know, filmed on a soundstage kind of matches. And I hope it is because I want to see more of this. I want them to work this into more storylines. Yeah. What What did you guys think of the ending? For this like how it was done uh like the teleportation stuff at the end uh the fire all all of that stuff like the last couple minutes of the match the the moment where uh taker has aj standing over the pit and he go it, like basically saying good job you, you know you gave me a better fight than a lot of people had i enjoyed that, was so that. Oh, that God, was really good. That. And then Taker turned his back and then turned around and lay in the big boot. That was so old school Taker. Like late 90s, early 2000s Undertaker. Where it was like the mix of the American badass congratulating the kid on doing what he did. But then the old school Undertaker coming out and being like, I don't care how good you did. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. That I, I love that whole thing. That, that whole thing, I almost got a little emotional. Like, yeah. they didn't quite hit that point for me emotionally, but it was getting there. I'm just like, fuck. Yeah. They, you know, they oh, respect yeah. each totally other was. and all that. Totally was. The burial. The teleporting out of the grave was amazing because it just made me flash back to all the ridiculous stuff Undertaker has done in his career. Because mm-hmm. that is, Andy, I know you haven't been watching wrestling for the longest period of time, but Undertaker teleporting sure. out of the grave was the most believable thing that probably happened in this pay-per-view. Because <laughs> that's like not unusual for Taker to be in multiple places at once. The original king of teleportation, if you will. Um, it was a nice touch. He, he didn't summon buried, lightning, though. He, true, he didn't summon lightning. But after the burial, when the music is playing, the thing that got me the most was the casual as Taker walked across the gravestone and like pulls the moss off of it. And it's AJ Styles headstone. That touch was oh, really yeah. nice that to me. Was so good. It should have ended there. I think it, yeah. it could have ended there, 
seeing Taker get on the bike and do his trademark hand raise, the hand raise happens, we get the fire, we get Taker symbol uh, on the barn, and then he just rides off into the night. If he's coming back for more matches, stop at the gravestone. If he's done, the rest of it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But, like, I thought he was done after, what was it, 32, where he left his gear, ring in the gear? I think so. Gear in the ring? Jesus, I can't talk. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I had I had no real complaints about this. Other, only, If I had to make one complaint, it didn't feel like there was a lot of wrestling action during this but it made sense for the match for it just to be striking and nonsense like that you know um the tombstone he hit on anderson was nice the uh the choke slam sequence where he choke slams aj to hell as they put on their facebook page was really cool um so i mean all in all i was thoroughly impressed and this was the perfect match to close the night out on for night one the 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 best part too is just like it gave us so many potential memes. Like Undertaker was just a meme machine during this whole thing. <laughs> like you can screenshot so many different parts of this match. One thing that I thought was a little odd is uh when well I think was it Carl Anderson he broke the shovel off Undertaker. Yes. Uh, and then Undertaker is just like he looks at the shovel that's broken and he's like, That's now you hit someone with the shovel and he starts hitting him. And I'm just like, right. it would have been great if the shovel didn't break on Undertaker because it just was like him looking at it and the camera zooms into the broken shovel. And it's like, mm, it looks like he hit you pretty good with that fucking shovel because it's broken now. But then he continued to beat Anderson up and then being like, this is how you hit someone with the shovel. It's like, that's just a stick right now, sir. But that's me nitpicking something like super small. It just seemed weird how they like zoomed in on the shovel being broken. It's like, I know they were probably trying to zoom in like, this is how tough this old man is. But I was just like, it just seems weird. But that was like the only complaint I had like in this whole thing. Other than I wanted Finn Balor to pop up. Right. Well, I think we all knew we weren't going to get Finn Balor. Pop up. I know. I think, is he stuck in Europe right now? I don't know <laughs> where is, Finn Balor is. is. He's stuck in Ireland. Okay. So he at least got to go back to Ireland. Okay. That yeah. makes sense at least. That's why he's been on NXT UK, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a really good night, night one. Um... I think we all said that if night one didn't go real well, we probably wouldn't watch live night two. Yeah. Uh, I think up until probably the Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins match, I was on board with not watching night two. Same. Yep. And then that match kicked off. Um, I didn't watch Braun Strowman and Goldberg live or the undertaker AJ live. Cause I had prior commitments, but I watched them first thing the next morning. Uh, and I was like, yep, I'm, I'm hyped for tonight. Uh, when it came to night two, I did not watch the pre-show for night two. So I did not see the full Liv Morgan, Natalia match. I just know Liv Morgan won the match, which seemed like a pretty big deal for Liv Morgan to get a win over Natalia at what was WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, they, I hope they're building to something with Liv. They, you know, they keep giving her matches that she's winning. It's not really going anywhere. Yeah, yeah she Oscar. lost on Monday night. Right. Um, no, she, she looked good in that match, though. Of course, yeah, she looked Liv good. Morgan looks good every time she's on TV. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't quite know 
what they're what they're planning to do with her. But but I hope we're getting getting something here soon because she was kind of a part of that uh, that match. Uh, or I mean, she was kind of a part of the whole Lana Bobby Lashley stuff, which just stopped being a thing and then Thank she's God. just been around um i mean i don't know they they got to a good point with that and then they killed it which yeah, i think it's because receptor is that yeah yeah i think that's definitely part of it but um right they had her they had her win here and and sorry i misspoke she definitely lost to oscar just just on monday um so I don't know. We'll see what they do with Liv. But it wasn't a bad pre-show match. It was cool seeing Liv get to get out there with uh, Natalia and put on a good show. It's funny. Uh, the previous night, I, I tweeted, and I think I even messaged you guys. I'm like, my neighbors probably think I'm watching a lot of porn tonight because it was just a lot of silence and grunting. And then I think Liv Morgan, Natalia also sparked that from people because I saw people making the same complaint specifically during the Natalia Liv Morgan match, which is hilarious of people to say maybe Liv Morgan was just a little too extra uh, during the match, which is just kind of hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And with no crowd, it just, just does not help. <laughs> no, no, it does not. Uh, let's move to the real card then. Uh, Charlotte Flair defeated Rhea Ripley by submission for the NXT Women's title. This was this the. You said you loved it. Yes. Okay. This was the longest in-ring match on the card for both and days. The best match on the card. The best wrestling match by. Far. Yes. Wrestling by far. match. <laughs> yes, by far. Um. Yeah. I know we disagreed on the winners of this match. Completely makes sense why they would let Charlotte win this match. I thought it told a great story throughout. The trash talk between Charlotte and Rhea was on point. Um, I honestly, hearing Charlotte run her mouth during a match made me appreciate Charlotte Flair more than I ever have before. She's so good. And this this was the perfect scenario where it's like Charlotte won. Yeah, I kind of tired of Charlotte winning. But Rhea Ripley looked like a million bucks during this entire match. And Indeed. Charlotte continued just to look like a million dollars all the time. Um, shout out to Rhea Ripley's Vegeta cosplay, uh, which was cool. Uh, uh, but We'll agree to disagree on that one. It wasn't bad. Like a lot of people give her shit because she's always like wearing the same beat up jeans but she looked kind of cool as Vegeta uh, even though I'm not the biggest Dragon Ball Z person or a Dragon Ball Z fan at all I recognized it immediately and was like she's doing co- cosplay right now I didn't recognize it till the next morning and I'm a huge Dragon Ball Z fan <laughs> yeah, you're really? a huge fan you didn't yeah. say anything till the next morning and I'm like and you're the one who didn't like it but I saw a lot of love out there for it so a lot of people really liked it i thought she looked cool in it it was fine Um, it was fine but she's had better gear for takeovers sure sure, but it didn't seem like her character i guess that might be my issue it didn't get a lot of really special kind of really really good gear for this wrestlemania and it makes sense why so for whatever reason too bad for whatever reason, it seems like WrestleMania now, everyone's special gear is they just wear the white version of their original gear. Right, 
I don't know why it, it, but that just seems like what they do. They just put white trunks on or like Seth Rollins wore his white pants. Bailey wore her white old Bailey, uh, like costume. Her AEW gear. Yes. Her AEW gear. Rhea, you know, switched out to like blue and white. It, it's weird that that this seems to be a thing, but back yeah, to the, really the, the, the match, it, like the psychology was just on point this whole match. Like it, it was, it was so good watching Charlotte just dissect Rhea Ripley. It was very Ric Flair esque, mm-hmm. and I don't mean that as a knock at all. It was ring psychology one hundred and one throughout the entire match. The figure eight, they have done a good job of protecting that submission, and I think that needs to keep up. I enjoyed getting to see the Riptide in the match a little early. But it was good to see her get to hit it and Charlotte kick out of the Riptide. Mm-hmm. It also was good that Charlotte kicked out of the Riptide. It's just like, Charlotte's like the biggest, you know, like physically the biggest, tallest opponent Rhea's had a face so far uh, in NXT, like, U.S. So, like... Yeah seeing her face someone who's basically her equal uh not like equal in size and strength it was cool to where she had to go into another gear that at 23 years old she might not have just yet you know like storyline wise and the veteran charlotte was able to just overwork her right and i think that's something people are also missing there a lot of people are looking at this as flair buried ripley Ripley's 23. This is nowhere near the end or even the beginning of her journey. Um, she will be around for us years after Charlotte has probably walked away and hung up her boots. Um, but as we said on the other podcast, you've got to get your usual fans' eyes on the NXT product. What better way to do that than bring a big name like Charlotte Flair into the mix you can also now bring some nxt talent up to raw so that you can get that cross promotion going on so i think it's a business decision it was great i understand why some fans are not happy about it but the whole match made sense and it was probably the best work match on the card that, that stayed in the ring at least yeah yeah no absolutely that stayed in the ring for sure um yeah. i think it'll be really cool to see what they do with nxt like like you said, they got to get more eyes on it. They're trying to make it just, you know, another brand. Um, and I think uh, it makes sense. This is the way to do it. Um, and I just hope they work in some good storylines for Charlotte over there in NXT. It, it'll be fun to see. Moving to the next match, which was a very solid match, even though it had really hardly any build or any care for it. Yeah. Um, Alistair Classic Black. math problem. Classic man. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, I read that out to my household uh, during this match, and they very much enjoyed it. Aleister Black defeating Bobby Lashley with Lana at ringside. My favorite part of this match was I said before the match started, I want this match to end quickly, which unfortunately I didn't get that. But I said, I want to see Bobby Lashley go for a spear and get black masked. Oh, yeah. My friend Gabe is on record as hearing that before the match started. <laughs> also, Aleister Black's ring gear on point. 
and I am so down for a Bobby Lashley in pants instead of underwear. That was the best part of the match for me. It's just like oh, finally yeah. Yeah. Bobby Lashley has like an outfit pants. that fits him. Yes. Right. Yes. It looked great. It looked great. Both competitors looked great in this match. Lana costing Bobby Lashley the match. Oh, was yeah. so good. I'm ready to see yeah. Bobby Lashley and Lana get divorced on TV since we they're got to get married the, on TV. They're starting the like falling apart of their their marriage already on Raw pretty quickly. So yeah, I can't wait. I think it's coming sooner rather than later. So hopefully we get a divorce court episode. Um but we were talking about not many people having really interesting gear. Alistair Black had a killer gear for this match. Yeah, the only thing he was missing was the live band, like he used to get yeah. at takeovers. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I think it was pretty cool that he got he got something special for this. Um, otherwise, the match was whatever. Um, so, but I'm just I'm just happy it at least gave Alistair some hype. Hopefully, going forward. I have a question to ask you specifically about. Alistair Black's Black Mass Finisher. Yes. What are your thoughts on it? Oh, I love it. I think it's fantastic. It it looks great. As long as people yeah. still sell it. Yeah, it looks good. And yeah, as long as you sell it like Dolph Ziggler sells, then it, yeah, every time I'm a fan. If you go back and watch Alistair Black versus Hideo, Hideo Itami, I cannot remember which takeover it is. Hideo Tommy's soul left his body yeah. <laughs> when he got hit with that black mass. Oh, man, I got to check that out. So it it was incredible. Um, anything else to say about this match? No, I'm just hoping it's over. Yeah. Same. And in one of my favorite storylines of oh, the night, yes. and possibly one of my favorite matches of the night... Otis defeated Dolph Ziggler. Before we even get to the match, Sonya Deville came out looking like a snack. <laughs> oh, completely agree. There's something about her and Dolph Ziggler standing together that just works. I don't know why. I, I don't either. It works. I, I yeah. want them to just come out with a beautiful people gimmick of this, <laughs> like, they're just saying, because, you know, like, Sonya Deville is, like, you know, openly gay. So you can't really do a romance storyline between them because they would just, you know, they've already like blurred her real life and her personal life mm -hmm. lines. So you can't do like a love story between them. But if they just have a gimmick of like, hey, we are just two attractive people and we're going to run rough shot all over SmackDown, I am on board with it because they looked amazing together. Yeah. They did look amazing together. But you know who looked really good in this match? Otis. No. Mandy fucking Rose came out looking oh, like okay. a full course meal when she made that run in from the back. Holy shit, that all gold gear. But, but they Jesus. Did the, they did the thing I hate where they do a run in and they play their music. I hate when they do that. Oh, I, I it, it takes I, I away can't. like the the surprise. You're like, oh, okay, they're gonna play their music. I was I running. had the same thought. I go, oh, it's oh damn, it's Mandy. <laughs> because I heard the music, I didn't see her yet, and then she appears, and I was like, holy shit, she's looking good in that WrestleMania gear. Um, Otis looked amazing throughout this match. Uh, Dolph God, getting his comeuppance was incredible. Dolph was selling so good during this match and making Otis look like just even better than usual. And that simple scoop slam that Otis hit oh, Dolph God. with 
looked like he tried to put Dolph through the center of the earth. <laughs> it really did. It was just, it was, it was so perfect. Um, Otis, Otis. Oh God, Otis killed it for me. I, I enjoy him more and more every single week. And, and when, when they, when heavy machinery first started showing up, I was Ben knows. I just did not care. And God, they've become my favorite thing here lately. Yeah. He, Otis looked, fantastic in this match i wish he maybe didn't do the caterpillar because it was like a super serious match technically or supposed to be like a grudge thing but other than that like we talked about it before in a previous episode of this like otis has a potential to like break through and this i hope proved to you know people at wwe that like hey he can hold a match on his own this match was eight minutes and 15 seconds and it was a one-on-one match, and he was with, you know, he was with Dolph Ziggler, so that immediately boosts him up in terms of, like, hey, if you're going to have someone to make you look good, you want it to be, you know, against Dolph, you know, you're going to have Dolph Ziggler as your opponent. But, if you can't look good in the ring with Dolph Ziggler, there's probably not much hope for you as a professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. And, and Otis looked fantastic. He used the fact that he was with Dolph Ziggler to, to go, you know, to you know like use Dolph Ziggler's like tool set to make himself look good and I'm kind of excited I could care less about like the storyline but I'm excited to see where Otis goes from here I'll agree with you on the Caterpillar maybe wasn't the best choice of move in the match only for the build up when he does the two Caterpillars but when he jumps and hits that damn elbow I'm buying that as a finisher because that's 330 pounds that was getting up almost to the top row. Oh God! That from a standstill, so dropping a 330 pound elbow. Absolutely, I, that just looked killer. I would almost want to see like him have a mean streak where he doesn't do the caterpillar; he just does that elbow drop repeatedly, multiple times in a row. You mean very Dolph-esque? Yeah. Could we get Otis and Dolph as a tag team in the future at some point? Only if Otis wants to be his protege and, you know, Dolph Ziggler starts giving him tips on, yeah. like, dyes his Teach hair him. like Dolph and... Teaches him that elbow. Mm-hmm. Because Otis's hot tag is an incredible thing, is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And Dolph Ziggler, as the, the face in peril, has worked for many years. Oh, let's move on. We're, we're getting Tucker. way too Otis happy. Yeah. yeah, poor Tucker. We're sorry, Tucker. We still love poor you, Tucker, Tucker, but Otis just proved he didn't need you. At WrestleMania, and then uh, the closing where Mandy or does Ma- Mandy doesn't jump to his arms. Otis just picks Mandy up, mm-hmm. scoops her up, scoops her up, and then she gives him that kiss. Which kids in this day and age do not kiss people pre first date. <laughs> it's not a good look in these trying times. Six foot distance. Stay safe. Corona free. Oh, uh, moving on. <laughs> they have to quarantine together now. It's the perfect plan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, true. Yeah, never mind. I, I could think of a lot worse people to be quarantined with than Mandy. You got to remember, so... my my wife is upstairs. <laughs> uh, uh. So in the match that surprised me by how little I cared about. Yeah. Edge defeated Randy Orton in a last man standing match that I feel went on about 20 minutes too long. Yeah. Um, The closing segment of the match 
on top of the truck bed was great. Edge could fit in at NXT because he's showing, you know, a 16-pack of abs in this match. Like, I've never seen Edge look in God, this good a so shell. freaking good. Yeah. He looks so good. I mean, Edge's, you know, performance, most of it was great. He is an amazing actor, and he can sell his emotions, and, and the spots that they focused on that were good. But, like you said, this match was... About 20 minutes too long. It was hard to continue to care after, you know, the first little bit. I just started getting kind of really bored with it, to be fair. It would draw me back in for little bits and pieces, but then I just would be right back out of it. I don't know, MJC, how did you feel about this one? You guys are right. The, the, the match just lasted forever. The ending was really good, really emotional, but it just... it. It lasted too long. I get that it's like a, a a rivalry that needed like intensity and needed to show both wrestlers like want to kill each other. But this is definitely one of the matches. I think commentary let it down. They they, they went needed with, Jr. They needed yeah they needed Jr. Hell they could have even used Jerry Lawler doing his you know like oh my god type shit. This could have used Morrow if he was there. Like, there's so many. They went with the we're shocked at how vicious they are, so we're just going to be silent. And it just it made the match horrible to me. Like, I was watching it with uh, Sarah's family, and it was just one of those things where it was just, like, going on forever, and multiple people were like... Like, this was the first time during that day where people were looking at their phones during the match like because it just was going on too long and like edge was just finding different things to jump off of some stuff made no sense uh like why was there a cage grate above like a conference room table like what, what the fuck is that uh, it was just too long of a match and it was so long and because of the type of match it was I now don't give a fuck about Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa this week or next week because they're going to be in the same performance center doing this oh, type of match. God, I don't want that again. <laughs> and I just, I just think they kind of did everything, so I'm immediately just like, oh, what the fuck are they going to do? It'll probably be great, but like this just, it dragged. I feel bad for Edge because technically it was a good match, but I feel bad that this was his return match and people are going to be like, this is boring. They could have edited so much out they didn't need to fucking have them basically, you know, I don't know if you guys were following the same like Twitter people, but like, as soon as he put him, uh, Randy Orton put edge in that fucking weight machine, Chris Benoit was trending. And it was just like, why wasn't that cut out? Like there was just so many things of just like, why was that so important to, to do that specific thing? a week after the documentary was released though they probably shot it two weeks ago but it's like there there's just so much unnecessary stuff it was 36 minutes and 35 seconds it it kind of killed the mood i and the street profits had to follow it and by then i was just like i just i was kind of done with the night to be completely honest after that uh i watched everything but like mentally i was just like drained of just like 
I just was so Oh, yeah, tired. I definitely checked out. And, like, I was also watching it with other people, and I saw it. Like, everybody else was kind of like, uh, I'm bored now and just mm-hmm. uninterested. Definitely the the next match, I kind of was, like, out of it for at least a portion of it. We'll, we'll talk about it here in a second. But it, it, it killed the excitement until, you know, later bits of the night at least. It, it killed Randy heavy. Orton. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It, it was too <laughs> heavy of a match where it sat on the card and I feel like it's one of the few matches that probably would have benefited from more in-ring action uh, just because I feel like with a little bit more in-ring action you could have made the match a little quicker pace and then maybe closed it out with some of the ending spots so like we were talking about with editing that's a match I could have done with a little more editing than what it got They didn't edit anything out. Like I doubt there's like anything on a cutting room floor based on how long this was. Yeah. But you're you're right. It should have been more time in a match because I feel like they Orton started the match like in sweats and like like as a cameraman and RKO'd them and I think they were out in a crowd within like or crowd uh, they were out of the ring within like two three minutes and then they just never went back and it just yeah, yeah because uh, Edge beats the ten count by rolling out of the ring from the RKO. Yeah. And it never was in the ring again. Um, next match, though, was a good come-upper. Uh, the Street Profits defeated Angel Garza and Austin Theory that had Selena Vega as their manager for the Raw Tag Team Championship. And I told Andy towards the end of this match, I am thoroughly impressed with Austin Theory. Uh, he is actually a very local guy to me and Andy. Uh, most of his wrestling... Uh, before he got called up into Evolve, was for a promotion called Southern Honor Wrestling, which is based out of Canton, which is about mm, an hour to 45 minutes away from us. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a little guy, but the moment he picked up Angelo Dawkins and hit that cutter on him, like that flapjack cutter, I'm like, shit, he's got some power to him too. He's not just a, a little agile guy. Uh, match was typical Street Profits match. It had its hot tags, its quick spots. We got to see Montez Ford fly from the skies and crash land in the heavens and all that fun stuff that Montez Ford does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the Selena standard, Vega's standard stuff. Yep, Selena Vega's outfit was completely on fleek. It was great, and it went really well with Alistair's. It was like just the gold version of it. So, the the match was, was cool. typical fair. The closing was what was the most interesting. Uh, yes, to me. this is this is the end of this match is where I I got excited again uh, on this night. When you have the beatdown that Garza and Theory are throwing down, and Vegas getting involved, and then out of nowhere we get the EST of NXT, Bianca Belair coming out to even the odds, give Selena Zelina that SmackDown. Bianca brought that smoke. God, I was so hyped when this happened. The way Montez Ford slid into the ring and was looking up at Bianca Belair. Oh, yeah. Every woman needs to aspire to get them a man that looks at them like Montez Ford was looking at Bianca Belair. Oh, my God. That was so great. Like, I pointed that out to to Sarah, and she cracked up with how he was just, like, crawling (laughs) around the ring. It it was so good. (laughs) It was, it was so good. It was it was so good. And then he you know, she 
they show she shows up again on on Raw this week and just continued uh just incredible work from um yeah. from Montez like just so good. Which yeah. I guess it's official. She's now on Raw, so I guess like yep. she was traded for Charlotte. Uh, it, without being said, she's traded for Charlotte. I can see it. Uh, which I worry a little bit about her because I feel like she needs a little bit more fine tuning. Uh, like more time in NXT would be beneficial to her, and I hope they yeah. don't waste her in there and then just like permanently pair her with the Street Profits and they just do like right. skits. That- that's my only worry is I, I hope that she gets used well. I think there's going to be a little bit of in-between time where she's being used with Street Profits, but I hope then she kind of starts breaking out and doing her thing because we know she has a ton of potential and has a lot of talent, and I want to see them kind of hone in on that. But back yeah. to Austin Theory, uh, he looked really good. Uh, I He just probably needs a personality. I don't mean that as a slight. I mean that like wrestling terms no, he just needs i totally understand yeah they've got to find his character yeah they, they need they, to find his character uh, i kind of forgot he was there but talking about it like you know he was really good yeah. in that spot uh, the to me in this match you had four you had four good performers three of them showed up to be great that night i think your weak link is angelo dawkins but he's always kind of been like he's a that great guy. Hot, yeah. He's a great hot tag, but that's about it. He reminds yeah, it, me a lot of the Street Profits, and I don't mean this as a slight in any way. Remind me a lot of Enzo and Cass. I could see that. Like he, he totally fits the cast thing. Kind of Yeah. And and Montez Ford, he has some moves. He uh, Montez Ford is a far better wrestler than Enzo is. Yes. But it's the typical Ford goes in, gets beat up, you get the hot tag to Dawkins. We did get to see the reverse happen in this match where Dawkins got beat up and then Ford took the hot tag and hits that fucking springboard frog splash. Oh, so good. But I enjoyed it. I didn't expect much out of this match. and I was thoroughly enjoyed all the way through. Shall we move on to our Fatal 5-Way? Yep. Alright, so we of course had uh, Bailey defeating Lacey Evans, Naomi, Sasa Banks, and Tamina. Uh, Tamina was the first eliminated. They made Tamina look really good in this match. For her to be Unfortunately. the first eliminated. Yeah, agreed. I never will buy Tamina super kick. Because yeah. it just looks very weak. And she doesn't get it high enough. For my liking, if you're gonna pull off a super kick. Um next we had Naomi go out to the bank statement. Uh was sad to see Naomi go so early. Was glad to see the bank statement again because it's been a mess. Sasha Banks getting eliminated by Lacey Evans after we saw the tomfoolery between Sasha and Bailey, I felt was very appropriate. I feel like we got way oh, too yeah, much. Go ahead, sorry. I was like, I feel like we got way too much Lacey Evans and Bailey. Yeah. For that to end with Sasha Banks running interference. Right, right. With how much we were getting, I was kind of, I was like, I think Lacey's going to win this um, as it was going on. But we saw what happened. 
Um, and that was it. Not the ending I really expected, but it is it is more kind of classic uh, Bailey and Sasha style. Yeah, the closing stuff didn't make much sense. Bailey's promo work goes from bad to good to bad to good way too often. That's Michael, Bailey, though. Yeah, what did you think of her trash talk during the match? It was hit or miss. It it was funny uh, when they would like when Sasha and Bailey were the last two in the ring, and Lacey Evans was like trying to like uh, recover, and she was like getting ready to get back into the match, and Sasha and Bailey were just saying like talking shit about her daughter. That was kind of yeah. good, but other than that, that was like the only memorable trash talking. Uh, Bailey sometimes just kind of sounds awkward when she is trash talking because I think I think Bailey of her two characters she's played is probably closer to the baby face than the heel so it sometimes comes across unnatural when she plays a heel yep because the best characters are just your actual personality cranked up to 11 so Bailey playing against her actual personality can sometimes be a little awkward because she's not the best actress. But I'm happy with the decision for Bailey to win. I had Lacey winning reluctantly, and I really like Andy thought towards the end, like, oh shit, Lacey's gonna pull this one out. Yeah. But it yeah. prolongs the Sasha Banks Bailey friendship because uh-huh. I don't want them to, you know, finally have one of them turn face or you know and have their rivalry be in empty arenas. So I'm glad they're dragging that out. Cause I'd rather see that pay off at like, you know, Brooklyn next time they're in Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm happy with the result. Uh, Cause I, I still don't think Lacey Evans is there yet uh, though. I know at any given time, she's going to become the champion. Even though like, I would rather have Naomi be the one that takes the titles from Bailey and Sasha. Yeah, I, I really want Naomi to get that title back, but doesn't seem like the direction they're going. Maybe it would be if, uh, is it Jay that is her husband? Jimmy. Sure. If Pretty he could Jimmy. quit fighting cop. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, And finally, I think this was my favorite match of night two. I think this is why we decided to talk about tonight. Yes. We had the Fiend Bray Wyatt defeat John Cena in a Firefly Funhouse match. I want to hear Michael's thoughts first. Solely because there was a lot in this match that if you hadn't followed John Cena's career, or if you hadn't been a fan of wrestling for years, that wouldn't have made sense. So, floor is yours. This was fantastic. This was the right amount of weird that this needed to be. It's starting in the Firefly Funhouse set was a nice touch of the, the fiendus going in the room. John Cena just teleporting and being confused as shit. It wasn't like when Seth Rollins burned it down where he apparently found the location and knew exactly where it was to, to burn it down. 
John Cena had no idea how he got there. It looks he like looked very confused when it just like popped up and he was there, like he was teleported there. He was befuddled and then went into the room after him. And then that's when we got time travel and John Cena was forced to relive his career and starts with him as the prototype. I believe that was his original character. It was his original name, but he was always John Cena when he appeared on WWE television. Yeah, but like the same like haircut he had as the prototype that like he didn't have the haircut. No, but like that 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 yeah that that I don't even dis- like back then he would wear tights that would match the city's sports teams. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like he they they the fact that they got like old John Cena, not that he's super old, but like middle-aged John Cena to wear like his old ring gear which is just the the shortest shorts and as he's coming to the ring he's confused on why he's in there but he's also still it seemed like he was fighting the entire time like he was walking down to the ring in his old gear like he did back then but every once in a while he would do like really good acting in terms of like wait why am I doing this but then he would continue along and go through the motions why Bray Wyatt is cutting the Kurt Angle promo and it was so good to seeing them like cut in the Kurt Angle shit uh, promo why Bray is saying it 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 was great uh, doing that it went from the prototype to thugonomics where that's when you start start to see John Cena like oh no 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 it went from did it go from the prototype to 80s wrestling yes yeah. Okay. Johnny Large Meat. Yes. Johnny Large Meat. So good. So it went there, which was which was cool, just because it just went to old school wrestling. They cut a, a, a promo with all the weird camera zoom in and out stuff, which was just so good. I, I loved every bit of it. But then we had him transform into the Doctor of Thugonomics. And this is when we see John Cena start to break through a little bit more because he realizes, like, why am I doing this? But he still goes through it. He can only talk in rhyme because, of course. Uh, Anytime I get to hear the Thugonomics theme music, <laughs> I'm sold. It makes my WrestleMania anytime I get to hear Word Life. It really does. It's, oh, man, it's beautiful. But they go through it. They, they He has a rap battle. You have Bray the entire time just being like, bringing up his past failures, bringing up how he was, like, fake, and how he just, you know, he he was lost back then. And then you have... They go to the WrestleMania match, correct? Oh, yes, but before we get there, Bray had one of the best low blows that has ever existed during the prototype promo. Mm, Yeah. When he keeps missing on the slap, at one point Bray goes, "You can look, but you can't touch." That was so great. I had explained that I, to some people I was watching with. Oh, so good! And he does. He starts doing like the little bit of like the Nikki dance, and I was done. Yeah, that that made me fall in love with John Cena even more. Like just because yeah. he approved that to happen. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you would think that he would maybe be like, absolutely not. But the fact that he was like, yeah, go ahead, was uh, pretty pretty admirable. 
when when they're doing the rap battle and it gets towards the end and Bray Wyatt is just like John you're you're a bully you pick on people's weaknesses you insult them you hurt their feelings and it's just like oh my god he's going after the thing that like CM Punk kind of gave WWE shit when he did his pipe bombs of just like hey we do the be a star anti-bullying campaign and we're the biggest bullies out there like he kind of like at least that's what I got from it of just like this is a second person telling John Cena he's a bully I mean you can look up the Alex Riley stuff with John Cena he might have some bully tendencies or some like big locker room shit I, I, I loved it and then that's when we got to the Wrestlemania stuff and we got old Bray Wyatt like rocking chair, Sister Abigail Bray Wyatt. Um, did that come first, or did the NWO thing come first? I thought the NWO thing was the last thing. I, I think it was the be last wrong. thing before the theme came out. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, um, but yeah, the Sister Abigail stuff was really good. I always enjoyed that version of Bray Wyatt. Oh, same, same. Uh, so seeing that was really cool. Seeing yeah. it look like Cena was starting to have a fighting chance was cool. Oh but yeah, the him moment fighting in it. that yeah, the moment in that promo where Bray's like, "This isn't the way the story ends." Then we get the goofy ass WCW NWO, the whole Firefly Funhouse with everything and they did basically was like, John Cena is the new Hulk Hogan. Yes, it it was so perfect. I it was it was a perfect analogy across the board. All the way through, and while I think I think the Hulk Hogan comparisons in the ring are a little harsh, he's way better. Indeed, I think he's also probably a better person because of some of the things we've heard Hulk Hogan say. Oh, for sure. Uh, but <laughs> oh god, yeah. In but, terms of the politicking that Hogan. <laughs> did back then i don't think john cena was as bad as hogan in wcw and wwe and wwf but john cena was a company man through and yes yes exactly the the promo john cut on the smackdown before wrestlemania was very prophetic and brought up several times during the firefly funhouse match that in this match he was going to get rid of the most overhyped an overrated superstar the WWE has ever seen. John Cena loses this match, and we see The Fiend win, and John Cena's completely disappeared. Yes, I love that ending. But before we get into that, so this played a lot into the history of wrestling, so I would love to hear Andy's thoughts on this because i'm sure you've picked up on a lot of this stuff just you know talking yeah you know there wasn't too much of it that kind of like went over my head um at least as far as like a lot of the history stuff like i was i was still felt like i was able to follow it and enjoy it i i got that there were things that i was like uh this reference i i don't 100 percent get but i still enjoyed it i thought it was such a cool bizarre um thing they did with this firefly funhouse match like when when they first started coming out and john cena was in the ring at the beginning i i literally i was like i sent a message to ben going i'm scared about what they're about to do because i thought we were going to get nothing exciting and then it just launched into 
everything it was. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff I've seen because I've, you know, gone back and watched a lot of the John Cena stuff. So I was able to follow along with the character and everything. Um, so this was it was it was my favorite. I think this is my favorite match segment, whatever we want to call it, of this year's WrestleMania. Um, it was just so, it was so cool, so creative. I love the things that John Cena let happen here, especially um, with Bray Wyatt. Um, apparently they worked very closely from what I was reading on kind of putting this all together. Um, and John Cena helped Bray a lot with kind of coming up with fine tuning a lot of this. So I was, yeah, 110% impressed by what they did here. Yeah, it was my favorite thing. It should have ended the show. Yeah, I wanted it to end the show, especially with <laughs> with the cut to Titus um, at the end there. I really wanted that to be like, and that was WrestleMania, and just done. Titus taking over as host for Gronk after Gronk won the 24-7 title was perfect. Oh, yeah. Titus should have been the host the whole time. But. Yeah, it should have, like, I, I, Titus could have hosted WrestleMania. It didn't need to be Gronk. They could have saved money. Absolutely. Titus but, was fantastic. Better than Gronk in the one little, two little spots he had. He was more enjoyable to listen can to. Can you imagine Gronk having to do that expression at the yeah, end of the Firefly Funhouse? Isn't that Gronk's expression constantly? Well, that's why it wouldn't work. It'd just look like what his face looks like. He'd look I, like he went to sleep. Yeah, I enjoyed Gronk jumping off of the platform, and I know this is going to sound lame because I don't wear sunglasses very often, but I want some of those Pit Viper sunglasses. Oh, my God. So <laughs> as soon as I get my contacts, Andy, you're going to have to help me find some. Oh. Um, but, yeah, Firefly Funhouse was definitely the match of the night for night two. Um. After the Boneyard match, I had high ex- expectations. It met all of them. Yeah. Is yeah. this John Cena's retirement match, or do we see John Cena again? Oh, we see him again, but he takes a year off or two years off. He goes away, does Hollywood stuff. He'll be back in. I hope we don't see him for a couple years. Okay. He's got to get a 17 title. Yeah. John Cena just needs to come back as Thugonomics John Cena do a rap battle at WrestleMania against anybody, and then go away. No, and he, Bray Wyatt he can, always switches your character. He goes heel. Ooh. This is yeah. how you bring heel yeah. Cena. He becomes who Bray Wyatt says he is. And that's why the pure of heart Goldberg was able to defeat the Fiend. Yes. <laughs> we'll post a link to what we're talking about to you guys, yeah. but somebody has an amazing theory that definitely doesn't work for the WWE about why The Fiend lost to Goldberg. It was incredible. I've sent it to probably, I think, 27 people at this point. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But to close WrestleMania 36 out, we had Drew McIntyre defeating Brock Lesnar. First thing I want to talk about this match, Paul Heyman should have been ringside at every match of the night. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I always love Paul Heyman ringside. Um, especially when he's just looking up lovingly at Brock Lesnar. Um, but he was on another level, I think, uh, on that night. And it was, it was great to hear him, uh, very clearly. He brought the crowd energy that had been missing all night. He he did. He one man crowd over there. Yeah. 
Uh, Michael, was there any point in this match? I mean, I don't think we were ever in doubt of who was going to win this match. But was there ever any moment in this match where we were like, holy shit, this is actually happening? No, I this this was pretty straightforward to me. So I wasn't surprised by anything in particular with it. It was fine. It was a decent Brock Lesnar match. I'm glad you got the, the title finally, but I'm just... It, it was like the Edge and Orton tired me out and the Fiend and Bray Wyatt blew my mind. So it's like the idea that anything followed those matches just is just like, oh, I was yeah. ready to go home. Now I get it because there was a few things that like excited me during this. I was like, but w- once again, that's why I really thought like the, the Firefly Funhouse could have just ended the night. I didn't even need another match. Um, I'm happy Drew got it. The, I think it's always nice to close a WrestleMania out. If you have a title match, the visual you get of a champion holding a title at the end of WrestleMania is a visual that they strive for in most oh, WrestleManias. I, yeah. I totally get that. But if anything, The Fiend should have been not the second to last match, it should have been the third to last match. Because I just, as soon as The Fiend the John Cena match was done, I was just checking Twitter for reactions. So right. by the time I looked up from my phone, Drew was already standing holding the title. Holding yeah. the title, yeah, because this was a short match. This was only it like was. four and a half minutes. So the moment that had me say, holy fuck, this is actually happening, the kick out of the F5 at one. That was a good moment. That was like, that just yeah, fucking that was, happened. That yeah, doesn't that fucking happen. Yeah. That doesn't happen. The next F5 kicks out at two. You're like, oh, well, this is the route we're going to go. He's going right. to do it three times, and we're going to get the three count. No, <laughs> that's not what we get. And then the fucking Claymore onslaught that McIntyre and Lesnar had. To me, one thing, the match structure between this match and the goldberg Braun match were the exact same. Which I'm kind of getting tired of just these type of matches to be completely honest though this, they yes. weren't either this wasn't bad i'm just kind of done yeah. yeah i think we might have got a longer match uh we know as we heard from some backstage things that have happened that maybe brock didn't want to be there much longer than what he was nope but he definitely gave his best effort in the ring you can tell brock lesnar's invested in a match by how he delivers a german suplex and how he takes and, someone's offense. Yes, he sold the Claymore well, and he launched Drew McIntyre. Yeah. Safely launched Drew McIntyre several times throughout this yeah. match. And I think with Brock, uh, is even if he was upset about having to be there, he, he will sell for people he respects. So I think this was a sign that he respects Drew. So despite the circumstances of him not wanting to be there, he was still like, I'm going to give Drew, like, 100%. Yeah. So that, ladies and gentlemen, was WrestleMania 36. If you haven't watched any of that, uh, definitely check it out on the WWE Network. It'll definitely eat up a good eight hours of your life. And then some. And you literally don't have anything else to do, so... Just just at least, like, 
I literally have friends who who really are not super into wrestling or haven't really watched much wrestling at all in in years and years and years. I've had them go and watch the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match just for the just go watch it. <laughs> I think that alone is worth checking out. I'd agree. But something we wanted to add to this tonight were other matches for you guys to go watch uh, to give you something to do during our quarantine we have. And Michael, I think your feud you have chosen is far better than mine. I'll go first. Um, Because mine is definitely a nostalgia trip. Um, If you're bored, you have the WWE Network. Take a seat and go into your time travel box. Back to October 27th of 2014. And you can start watching the Raws there leading up to the Survivor Series pay-per-view. It was a fantastic lead-up for the Survivor Series match, which for a few years has been Raw versus SmackDown. Back then, it was usually the culmination of a big feud that would involve a bunch of wrestlers in a five-on-five elimination tag match. Uh, This one happened to be Team Authority versus Team Cena, with the stipulation of if Team Cena won, Authority was out of power. If the Authority won, Team Cena was fired. Um, I thought the match itself was fantastic, the lead-up to it. There were a lot of funny moments, a lot of great moments, a lot of returns, a lot of debut kind of things going on. So just go through and watch it. I don't want to ruin too much of it. The big thing for me was in that Survivor Series match was the WWE debut of Sting. And we've mentioned Sting a few times. It became a very relevant topic as we were talking tonight. Um, just go through and check it out. I don't want to ruin too much of it for you. But it was one of the first moments I can remember in me coming back to watching wrestling. That was a holy shit moment for me. Like, couldn't believe it was actually happening. So, that was mine. And I'll give the floor to Michael for his. So, the, the, the feud and build-up that I picked as uh, one of my favorites it's the owen hart bret hart feud that lasted about a year so there's a couple matches to pick up on you don't have to really follow any raws because uh, raw back then was weird how that happened they did most of their storytelling pay-per-view to pay-per-view and this one was a pretty long draw so if you want like where it begins it would be the survivor series in 1993 you had the Hart family, Owen, Brett, and two other Hearts that aren't really that famous WWF-wise. I forget who. Uh, they faced... Is that Jim the Anvil Neidhart? No, no, it's not even that. It's like Brett got his other brothers to, to be in her, not his brother-in-law. He got his, like, I think Bruce, and I forget the other guy's name. Uh, this was like a weird one where Bret Hart basically asked for a favor from Vince McMahon, if you want to know background for it, because he wanted his other brothers to, like, have a shot at the WWF, and this was, like, their shot, and it just didn't work out. Uh, So it was the actual, like, Hart family, like, all of Stu Hart's kids, versus Shawn Michaels and a couple other people. And Owen gets eliminated because of some confusion between him and Brett, and that begins the split in the family, and leads to Owen Hart turning officially on Brett, which 
begins at the Royal Rumble in 94. Uh, so they, I believe it was like a tag match in 94 Royal Rumble that they, they fight. Uh, but the big thing, they, the big payoff is WrestleMania 10. The opening match is Owen versus Brett. And it's a really good technical match where surprisingly, spoilers, Owen goes over. And that's like was a big deal because Owen was always second fiddle. The whole rivalry is basically Owen Hart being the younger brother upset that his brother Brett is getting the spotlight all the time. So it then goes from WrestleMania X um, or WrestleMania 10. Uh, that's the same WrestleMania that Bret Hart then wins the title at the end of the night from uh, Yokozuna. So at this point, you think Bret is just done. You know, like he put he, he gave his older he gave Owen his uh, the shine, and he's going to move into the main event scene. But this also then leads to one of the best cage matches of that era at SummerSlam, where you have Bretton Owen in the old blue steel cage. And that is one of my favorite cage matches of all time. And it's really brutal. They, they really go at it. And because it's Bretton Owen Hart, it's just... It's it's a classic technical match. It, it it's so good, uh, and it's a pretty long cage match. Most cage matches are, uh, but it for back then style cage matches where there's no crazy acrobatic stuff. It's still one of the most compelling cage matches, and one of the like best feuds that I feel like not enough people talk about. Uh, but. Highly recommend just looking up Brett and Owen Hart. There might even be like a compilation on the network because they do a good job of like those type of rivalries. So definitely look up uh, like Owen Hart and Bret Hart's feud throughout 1993 and 1994. It was back when WWF or WWE could do like good storytelling over a long period of time as opposed to now where they just kind of rush to the conclusion and then stretch it. I think that is a great one for you to watch, Andy. Nice. Yeah, these are ones I will plan to check out here. Uh, and another thing that you can put on your watch list before we let you go, the 24 uh, on Edge. Fantastic. Oh, yes. I'm Fan excited to check that out. Fucking fantastic. Just watch it. Um, also, if you need anything else to watch, that'll be a lot of fun for you to watch. The Broken Skull Sessions. They now have an uncensored version if you haven't watched them before. For some reason, even though it doesn't add a ton, not being bleeped with some of the language they use makes the experience better. And coming this Sunday, we will have the Broken Skull Session with Rick Flair, which I look forward to watching on Sunday. Ooh, that won't be uncensored. <laughs> well, I don't think they do the first showing uncensored. Mm-hmm. They do it regular, and then I think a week later they release the uncensored. Okay. I don't know. I would rather them just straight release an uncensored one because that's the one I'm going to watch every time. Because if I'm watching Stone Cold, I expect there to be a four letter word said at least once. But watching a Stone Cold and Taker drink a half bottle of whiskey in an hour and a half of recording is nightmare fuel for me. <laughs> Although I say that, and I started tonight with a half bottle of whiskey, and I have about two shots left as we've been recording. Oh man, there you go. So I think it's about time to 
we go home on this one because it ain't going to get yep. much better for me tonight. <clears throat> well, thank you guys for uh, for coming on tonight then and and joining in for our WrestleMania reactions. Indeed, thank you, Michael, for bringing up the idea to do this because it yeah, was very yeah, enjoyable. Yeah, this is all thanks to Michael because he he brought about the motivation to talk about those uh those two nights. We we had feelings we had to talk about. We really did. We had yeah, we, we probably could have done a podcast of just the text we were sending amongst each other. God, yeah, we um, kind of, yeah. And then we were just non-stop. like, "Fuck it, let's record it, let's go." So. <laughs> And we said we wouldn't talk for two hours tonight, and uh, unedited. Yeah, we said we weren't going to go. Yeah, we said we weren't going to go as long as our WrestleMania one, and we probably just went longer. (laughs) Yeah, we sure did. But But, uh, all right. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, Once again, thank you, Michael, for coming out. Thank you, Andy, for taking time out of your busy, still working schedule uh, that I don't think me and Michael have at the moment. Nope. Um, if you guys enjoyed it, don't forget to like, rate, or subscribe to us. Let us know what you thought about either the prediction show or a reaction show. And if you guys enjoyed the reaction show, we wouldn't be opposed to doing these more often. You just would not be getting them as quick as you're getting this one. Yeah, um, exactly. We're in a weird spot in the world. We're just trying to bring a little smile to everybody's day. Uh, until next time, enjoy your wrestling, enjoy your life, and stay safe. Goodbye. See ya.